Hi, my name is Elaine Williams, and you are listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams Podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams Podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. This is Amy J, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 97. That's crazy, guys. 97 episodes we've been together, and today's episode is no less uh, boring or anything like that. This is going to be an amazing episode because I have with me Miss Elaine Williams. It, she is a National Touring College circuit speaker, award-winning stand-up comedian, and certified life coach. Elaine provides public speaking coaching and advice to both beginning and experienced speakers, helping them to deliver engaging videos and presentations with ease. Her focus on real skills enables speakers to overcome their nerves, to deliver content that connects and entertains audiences so they stop and click or stand and clap. And she's taking some time out of her evening tonight to, to join us. And Elaine, I can't thank you enough. How are you? Well, thank you. And first of all, woo! Congratulations, ninety-seven. Woo! Crazy. Thank you. That's thank you for being awesome. number ninety-seven. Wow, I feel very privileged, and you know that's just a huge accomplishment in this day and age of you know we're just busy and people. It's not that, like they're not committed, but you know a lot of times people jump from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. So I just really commend you. Thank you. I well, you know what? It's because of wonderful dream chasers like yourself. I mean, you have a varied story. You've you've gone and done a number of things. I saw you perform and present at Cornell's Positivity Summit, and I was blown away. I thought you had an amazing story. I thought you did a great presentation. You're actually now helping others, but that's not what you first did. I mean, you, you were a stand-up comedian. Tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. So um, I grew up performing. I loved theater. My parents divorced when I was really young, and I think there was a part of me that thought there was something wrong with me, and so I was always sort of searching, searching, and when I, um, they needed a new Gretel in the Sound of Music at my church in San Antonio, Texas, and I remember the first time I performed, and I was like, oh my gosh, applause, love, woo, I'm in, you know, <laughs> sign me up, and I'm truly grateful because I grew up in an alcoholic, abusive family. There was a lot of abuse, a lot of repressed stuff going on, people in prison. Like it, there was a lot of crazy stuff. And the one thing that was really consistent for me was theater. And I got to go to Europe when I was 16 and it, things were really bad at home. And the only reason I came back was because of my musical theater director, Mrs. Bircher. And I'm just so grateful because if I had run away, I think I would probably be dead. So I, I just love theater. It's just, there's so many cool things about it. And there's theater for everybody, you know, hip hop musicals like Hamilton. There's opera. There's there's so many spoken word. There's so many variations of it. And so I, I moved to New York when I was 
in my 30s, which is kind of late, and I got sober all at the same time, which I wouldn't recommend, but that's what I did. <laughs> and, you know, it was really hard. The first year, they're like, don't change anything. And I was like, ah, I had to keep moving and temping. And, but I couldn't seem to get arrested. I'd worked my whole life in the theater professionally, voiceovers, movies, TV in Texas. And then I moved to New York City and I couldn't, you know, like it was like, hello. Radio silence. Yeah, I was like, and I was really angry because, you know, I knew one person. It's hard moving here, you know? Well, from and, Texas to New York, it's not the, it's not like it's apples and it's apples and oranges. Right. And, you know, and I had been a big fish in a littler pond, mm -hmm. Austin. You know, I just knew I wanted to get training and just experience New York. And I, and I made a pact, like if I have to scrub toilets and eat ramen noodles, like I am doing this. And so casting directors kept saying, you're really funny. You're not that much fun to be around, but you should try comedy. <laughs> and I was like, what? What do you mean? I'm angry, you know? And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know. And then people kept saying, you should try comedy. You should try comedy. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, you want me to stand up on stage by myself with a microphone? Like, you were resistant to the idea, huh? I was terrified. I remember watching the movie Comedian about Jerry Seinfeld trying to come back after his show. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, if he can't do, like, what? And I, I couldn't sleep. I was so activated the whole night. So finally I got up the nerve to take a class. And I was horrible, Amy. I was horrible. I didn't know how to write. I would try to write stuff. And I'd get up there and it was like crickets. And then... My luckily, my teacher was like, okay, Elaine, why don't you just tell us about your family? And then people would start to laugh. And so, but I was still like, this was a failure. I'm just going to get through the class. And, that, and I'd say, I tried it, whatever. So the night of the show, I only invited super nice people and I practiced my set. And I said, just think of this as a monologue, expect nothing. And if they happen to laugh, it's like cherry on top, you know? Low expectations. Set that bar there. Yeah. All right. And I wish I taped it, Amy, because people kept saying I had, every time I got a big laugh, I had this look of complete, like, shock on my face. I mean, it would have been so funny, but I didn't have that foresight. But so people are, like, bent over laughing when I'm doing my family stuff. And I had that light bulb moment of, like, oh, my God, I'm supposed to help people. I'm supposed to help people who may never, never go to com. They might never go to therapy or they might not go to workshops, right. but they can laugh at like the insanity of modern American culture and what we're growing up with and dealing with and the thing, the conversations that nobody wants to have. And, and I just had this whole, like, and my life made sense for the first time. Like I get all choked up, but you know, so many bad things that happened to me and I, I didn't realize I was full of self-pity, but it had been, you know, hidden from me. And then when I got sober, I was still dealing with a lot of stuff. I mean, there was just a lot of abuse. And, and just that moment was like, oh, like all of this pain was like, so I can help others. Like there was such a relief. And that's not normally what people think, you know, I, the fact that <laughs> you had that light bulb moment. I mean, a lot of people would go the opposite direction of what you're saying. Yeah, I mean everybody has their path and I'm I'm just so grateful for comedy again for so many 
just like theater saved my life, well, comedy saved my life too because I was still very angry and I I felt a tremendous drive to sort of make up for all the partying I had done. So I was just really driven, like acting and, you know, and, and comedy really helped me just lighten up. And from there, that's how I kind of fell into the college circuit world because, you know, I wanted to do comedy on the college circuit, but it's very competitive. Sure. You know, they're like, Elaine, you're going to be up against people who've been on Letterman 10 times and The Tonight Show and you're good, but you're not that good yet. Like that's, that takes 20 years. And so luckily I listened. That's a miracle. And, uh, and they were like, you know, small things. And they were like, well, didn't you have all those addictions? And I was like, well, yeah. So I came in as the funny eating disorder girl. And I was the only speaker who had really talked about emotional eating, which cracks me up because we all know how to lose weight. You know, you that. You learn the formula in junior high, but nobody deals with the emotional aspect. I mean, they're starting to now, like Weight Watchers and stuff like that. But in the college market back in 2007, nobody had talked about this. And I was like, well, hello. And so I was wildly successful at first. And then the college market changes. And then they kept saying, well, can you talk about drug and alcohol? And I was like, sure. And then my agent, my new agent said, can you talk about sexual assault? And a part of me was like, uh, can I get back to you on that one? Because, you know, that's like a whole nother. It's a different ballgame. Yeah. And, you know, and I I prayed and I meditated because it's not something you want to just revisit all the time. But I, I really thought, you know, Elaine, you have suffered. You have had so much buried shame, even with all the work you've done. and You know, I had like 14 years of sobriety at the time or 13. And I decided if I can save one person from half of the pain that I have been through, then I have to do this. Like I have to. And so I started talking about this. It was 2011. And I am still talking about it. It it keeps unfolding in new and different ways. But I do it not to be dramatic or wallow, but because it is so common. And I believe that I have been given a gift to talk about tough things and make them sort of where people can still breathe. And because I feel like if we can talk about it, we can shift it. But if we are not talking about it because we're so embarrassed or full of shame or because we're so repressed in this country or this culture, Mm -hmm. nothing is going to change. And I think you're very brave for having that conversation in 2011 when it's not being spoken about. Even to this day, it's not being spoken about, maybe a little bit more than previously, but that's only because it's becoming more publicized. I mean, I think it's a conversation that's not had. And there have been a lot of those conversations, guys, that we don't talk about out there, but we're having on this show, because I think if there's one person listening to the show, you're not alone. And I think we have to have these conversations as difficult as they are. I think what you're doing is amazing. Thank you, Amy. And I I love that you're doing this. I love that you're doing a show that's not just all, oh, what's your vision? (laughs) Yay, airy fairy, which which is great. And it has a place in that. But, you know, to me, I just got goosebumps. Like, to me, I love people who are up up to big things and want to be in conversations that have meaning and that 
can make a difference. And you know what? For some people, maybe that is, you know, um, the Kardashians or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's all different ways to make a difference in the world. And some people do it in, you know, different, different ways of expressing it. Sure. But I think now I'm focusing, even though I still speak on this, I, I also help people with their crafting their message and getting comfortable so that they can be powerfully authentic and still be credible, but be real on camera or on stage or podcasts or whatever. Right. And so one of the things I talk, I work with a lot is like the things that were the most quote horrific for you, that's where the gold is. And that doesn't mean you're going to roll out of bed tomorrow and be like, da-da, let me tell you the scariest, most horrific thing I've ever been through. You know, it takes, you have to craft it. You have to work on it. Sometimes you have to do more work to integrate. But the things that are like the deepest, darkest shame, sometimes those are the most powerful. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is also there's, there is a better side to it coming. If, if you're not in that point now, a better time is coming. And I mean, I think you're a testament to the fact that you went through such difficult times and you came out the way you are now, which I think is, is a testament to success and survival and someone who's chasing their dreams. Even though you went through difficult times, you came out stronger, I think. And I hope others listening to the show can see that and look to you as an example for that. Well, thank you, Amy. And, you know, I have to say, one of my clients, he's so adorable. He, you know, he's like, well, I'm, I'm so old. I'm like, you are 31. You are not old. Like, so it's also relative, but I think sometimes it's good to be naive. It's good that we can't see into the future because if we knew how hard some things were going to be, we might not start them. Right. So true. And, and so that, that's a gift. I, I call that grace. You know, there's all forms of grace. And one of the things, you know, I believe that we can be our own, our worst enemies. And I know that my mindset is still, you know, can be tricky and challenging. And that's one of the reasons I love being vulnerable and sharing because I know that it helps other people. And, you know, sometimes it's so easy to compare your insides to somebody else's outsides because we all want to put together this look like I've got it going on. I got it figured out. Even though most of us deep down feel like we don't know what the heck we're doing or there's some self doubt or neurosis or insecurity, you know, whatever you want to call it. And, and I think one of the, one of the biggest lessons I learned was I think there was a part of me that was like, okay, I'm sober. So I'm done making mistakes. Like I should have this all figured out because I've done all this work and all this and healing so everything is just going to be like roses rose and I I wasn't conscious of that but that was really driving me and so that was also really messing me up at times you know now it's still a better conversation than oh I'm hungover or you know like messing up your life with with drugs and alcohol and things like that but you know, I think that happens to a lot of people of like, well, I've already been through all this stuff, so I'm good. I got this figured out. And, you know, if you're if you're taking risks and expanding yourself, you're going to keep making mistakes. And that is so hard. That's sometimes. hard to, to reconcile. I mean, I, I think a lot of us don't. Everyone, I think, has a hard time realizing, oh, I made that mistake. I'll never make it again. Well, got some news for you there. Right. <laughs> I just take the 
different form, but I, I mean, oftentimes, even if we go through trials and tribulations, it's like, oh, I, I did my time for that. It, it'll never happen again. Right. You can't, you can't say that's true. Hopefully. Well, and, yeah. I mean, my dad, he's so cute. He's like, never say never, Elaine. And <laughs> I, I don't quote him a lot, but that's a, that's a really good saying, you know, and what I really try, cause I think it's human nature to go, why is this happening to me? Or sure. why is this happening again? Or I get this little girl voice in my head, like, it's not fair, you know, but and those are, you know, valid feelings in the moment. But, you know, I think a more productive question could be, okay, wow, what's the lesson here? What am I meant to learn here? And, oh, wow, this is this has happened before. So this is a pattern that's going to keep happening until I get the lesson. Right? Yeah. And sometimes it's, we when we're in the reaction, we want to resist it and it's not fair. And, you know, but it's like, if you can just breathe and say, okay, there's an opportunity here. I may not love it in this moment. <laughs> That's actually very, very true because oftentimes uh, I love the people who are like, there is just no job at all for me. There's nothing out there. I heard McDonald's is hiring. It's not again, the right. ideal thing you want, but you went a little extreme with the whole, there's nothing out there kind of thing right and it's it's like just because our ideal or what we want isn't out there doesn't mean alternatives aren't there no that is so true and I I you know I don't know all of your history Amy but you seem like you've always been a hustler and a hard worker and you know I have had a job since I was 12 I worked my th way through college with no help I have two wow. degrees in drama which I wouldn't recommend but that's <laughs> how I did it and I'm actually using a lot of that technique that I learned back then in, in my working with others and directing. I've always had jobs. I've always hustled. And I've done a lot of jobs I didn't love. Mm -hmm. But I was committed. And I had a commitment to pay my rent. And I knew nobody else was gonna. Yeah, I think there's a real missing in some of the young people that I'm around today. I am a, I'm a landlord. And I am shocked at the attitudes um that some of the people in their 20s uh it's just really amazing it's and not everybody but there's some some of the kids that I have trained at my old restaurant you can just their parents did everything for them and if they ever have to really be a full adult it's going to be a huge shock <laughs> and and that's the thing right i think oftentimes we whether it be movie, TV, uh, billboard, advertising, we I think we're kind of inundated with this picture of what right is, what ideal life is. We see people where the parents have to give them everything or take care of them and everything's handed to them. And we think, yeah, that's what it is. That's what I'm striving for. And, and the thing is, that may not be yours, your path. That's not the reality of things. There are 359 other possibilities for you to kind of get things going and, and, and follow. And oftentimes like, but, but that's, that's not what college is like. Well, there's some news. For yeah. You. you know, that's such a good point. Now, are you, are you a graduate student? Are you in college? Oh, Elaine, that's so sweet. No, I, I did, uh, <laughs> I did my graduate studies. I got, I had my master's in uh, computer science. I I'm working now in Philly. So okay, I, I hit that full adulthood life. Okay. 
Yeah. Well, you look, you, you have a very youthful energy. And no, I was just curious because I think that when people are over coddled, it can be really damaging for everybody involved, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think for everyone to be involved later on with them, I think it's, it's a ripple effect on how they act and treat people. And, and I think that's, you know, you're in social, social media a lot, right? Elaine? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times I think the behaviors we put out on social media can venture into real life. And I think some people have this entitlement thing going mm. with them and it's like, Hey, would you say that to your mom in real life? Right. So, you know, just real people, real, real life adults, you know, hopefully most should kind of have some kind of sense. I just feel that this new generation, again, guys, we're not, we're not attacking the new generation. This isn't a millennial thing. Just young people, this generation who have grown up with phones and laptops and stuff have a different mindset when on social media than say my generation. Right. Honestly, Amy, I think every generation of people Mm -hmm. right now is struggling. You know, I am in my forties and I, I was just in this amazing event. I've been in two different events. It was really refreshing to hear how other people are struggling with managing you know, a busy business and where do you focus your time and the yeah. things that fall through the cracks and as you grow, finding the right person to help you. And one of the leaders was saying was be careful what you're emulating and be careful what you're trying to copy. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, proves that point of like every image is airbrushed and photoshopped, right? Like yeah. every image, but we forget that. And even if our intellectual part knows that our psyche doesn't, and there is still that compare despair. And, you know, when I go to the colleges, I talk a lot about, you know, 79% of people who go on Facebook say that they feel worse and they feel isolated and lonely because, you know, we're all, we all want to look good. It's part of human wanting to belong to a group, right? Even if we consider ourselves outsiders, there's, we have to belong to an outsider's group. Like it's a human basic need. Otherwise, if you get kicked out, you might die. I mean, we're talking the caveman times, but that's still part of our wiring. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. You know, and then so we have these images that are coming at us 24-7. I mean, I don't really watch much TV, but I'm on the computer. I've got so you, you don't know, have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much coming at us. If you go to the store and you look at the magazine things and the billboards and I was on an airplane and I folded down my tray table and there was an advertisement on the tray table. And I, I took a picture. This is really happening. This is, this is the real thing. Wow. Um, you're gonna have to go to first class just so you don't get advertising. I think we're hit with all of these images, Amy, and it's easy to not feel great about yourself. Yeah. Well, and and I think what what people lose in it is, you know, there is no right way for you to live your life. There is no one path for you. And it's not on what you do and how you live your life is up to you and totally should be based only on you and what you want. You're going to be influenced by the billboards, the ads, the TVs, the movies, and, and you know, the photo brushed advertisements and articles and magazines. But really... Don't let that become what you strive for because, you know, you are you. We are all flawed. 
And it's okay. Right. And I think because we're inundated with perfection all around us, right? Because you can cut video, you can merge and Photoshop everything. We forget that. And then Mm -hmm. we're hard on ourselves when we're not perfect. Well, and this is, this is a theory that I spoke about too. When I, when I speak on colleges is if you look, if you think about most advertising, it's telling us, you know, if you're a guy and you don't have our alarm system, you're going to lose your family. Or if you're the guy and you're not, you don't have your shit together financially, Mm -hmm. you'll never get the girl or you won't get to keep the family. You won't get the wife with the two kids and the dog and the car and the house and right. That American thing. Right. And then women, you know, if you don't wear this makeup, you're, you're you're never going to get the guy or the job or the glamor. If you don't, you know, lose the weight. So there's all these things that are sort of implied coming at us and it's coming and it's coming so quick. Right. I mean, if you think about how fast our brains work and so I think personally, I think that's one reason reality TV has lasted as long as it's lasted, because I think people feel badgered down by all of that. You're not good enough if you don't do this, if you don't have this, da, da, da. but then they think, well, you know, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not as bad as honey boo boo. Yeah. <laughs> the crazy guys with the beards and duck, you know, whatever. I can't even keep up with everything, but I think, I think there is some of that that goes on. And do you, you find that in your conversations on the college circuit with the people you're coaching and mentoring and, and training, you know, they have a hard time accepting what you're saying, that there is another way, another alternative for them. They don't have to be so hard on themselves. Well, you know, it's interesting. I think, you know, that Charles Dickens, like it was the best of times. It was yes. the worst of times. Mm-hmm. So what I have found in some ways, I am so happy when I go to Arkansas and I see different races sitting together. When I go all across the country, I am so happy when I see that because I grew up in Texas mm-hmm. in the 80s and it certainly didn't, my experience that it was different. It was unofficially, there were like groups and cliques. And I, I lived in an all-women's dorm, and we had all kinds of people, women in, in the dorm, and athletes, and so that was much more like free flow. But So I'm so happy when I see that diversity, and I see a lot more tolerance for like LGBT, sure. and there's a lot more sensitivity if people have special needs. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, you know, there's a lot more awareness about sensitivity and tolerance if people have to be on meds or if they need um, hearing assistance or, you know, cause I grew up, my mother was legally blind. So I had to lead her around mm-hmm. and read menus to her as a little kid. And that can be pretty weird. You know, we had to take the bus everywhere and you know, in Texas, everybody drives like up here, you take the bus or the train or the subway. So in some ways I feel like, we have made huge, huge strides, but in other ways, and partially because of the media and social media, I think we have gone backwards. I know that I have stopped some suicides, and part of the reason was the girls were feeling bad about themselves because they didn't look pretty enough or perfect. And I'll be like, 
one girl was like emailing me like I'm going down. I'm going. I was like, I don't know what that means. Call me what right now? Like what? Yeah, and that's you know, crazy. There's, there's a rise of cutters. I was in a women's group, recovery group after you know being raped, and one of the girls was a cutter. This was back in the '90s, and that was the only person I had ever met who had cut. And now it's so common. And now, and that's not part of my story, but I try to talk about it. Yeah. It's basically, you know, so anyway, so I feel like in some ways we have all this awareness and in other ways it, it has to be managed. Yes. Uh, it's, it's a fine balance that I, I think on one, on one hand, there are topics that are not talked about at all. On the other, it's almost like it's too much, but not at the same time. It's it's very difficult, but I think a conversation needs to be had. It just needs to be had carefully. Well, and that's why I think it's awesome to see women supporting women like you and what you're up to. I grew up with two very competitive, a mother and a stepmother who, who were just and both of them were crazy and very, very competitive. My mother has had a stroke and she's still trying to compete with me. It's really kind of funny. But I love it that women don't have to be in that competitive mode. Like you can be pretty and I can be pretty and we don't have to compete for the caveman. You know, that was sort of the vibe I grew up with. And I went to high school with some pretty mean girls, very mean girls. And even though I found my groove in college, there were some pretty mean girls and some of the Greek wives. So I think things are changing and it's awesome. And there's still a huge need for, you know, love and tolerance and kindness. Yes. You know? I, and like when people say, when people hurt each other, it's like hurt people hurt people, you know, like if somebody's being a jerk, you know, it's never really about you. It's usually about them and their past or to somebody who did something to them. I could I could go on and on and on about that because honestly, because I think society hiding behind social media and usernames and things like that, you know, it's not a, a hate speech, but I think it's hurt speech mm. in a sense, you know, where it's not unlawful, but it's not moral at the same time you like you're intentionally saying things or doing things or putting things together out and putting it into the world with the intention of hurting someone else whether it is a fan group uh, a tv show fans or something like that or just some random stranger on the on the internet i think there's something about hurt speech here's my thought because i you know i can still be an emotional sure. intense person mm -hmm. sometimes mm -hmm. you know i put myself in timeout. Okay, Elaine, you got to go meditate and jog because you're, you're not being nice. <laughs> like, zip it, you know? Time out. I, I, I call it timeout. But I think what happens is we get caught up in reactions. Yeah. We get triggered. And so somebody, and, you know, it's easy to misinterpret things that are written versus so much, you know, 7% of how we communicate is our words, seven. And the rest of it is tone, energy body language and there is no sarcastic font yet right mm -hmm. and so it's so easy to misinterpret it to read it in from our perspective and so I think what happens is people will read something and they misinterpret it and then they are hurt 
angry, jealous, whatever. And before they even can think about it, their fingers have flown on the keyboards and whoo, you know, one of the things I love about the 12 step world is they teach you how to practice restraint of pen and tongue. Mm. You know, does this need to be said? Does this need to be said now? Does this need to be said by me? Now, is it going to further the conversation? And that is something I am still working on. I'm a, I'm a very passionate person and I love that. And sometimes it's like, Elaine, this is not about you. Zip it. <laughs> right. right. I, I think we've all been there. It's just, yeah. do we think about that? That's uh, an entirely different question. It, you know, have we thought about that? Uh, I don't know, right. but I think you work, the work you do with people who, you know, bring a light and awareness to individuals who may not necessarily think that they can chase their dreams or think that they are able to get help, if you will. I think it's wonderful. I mean, uh, as, as your work as a speaker, as your a certified life coach, even just uh, you guys, she, she has her newsletters are packed with knowledge and tips and you should definitely subscribe and I'll send the links to that. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I do have some really cool trainings coming up. So yeah, I would love it if people wanted to join me. I love to share value and teach people, you know, just confidence tri tricks and how to connect with people because you can use it for more than speaking. You know, you can use it for dating, you can do it for interviewing or just relating to other human beings. It's not that one area. And, and it was the Bob Newhart, I think, uh, Stop It. Uh, ah. newsletter you had sent and I was like well if this doesn't kind of just hit the nail on the head but in a in a way that catches you and it was a great great article and you guys well, can find it if you subscribe to her and I'll get you the notes to that but I, I love what you're doing and that's why I wanted you on the show but before we wrap up I do have to ask what is one thing you would tell someone to do today to chase their dreams or some ah. action that is so funny because I was like, oh, I have to talk about this because I've been talking too much about like the heavy stuff. And I was like, I hope you ask. I'm so happy you asked that question. Yes. Yeah. So one of the things I, one of my mentors talks a lot about baby steps, mm -hmm. you know, and I know I see people on America's Got Talent, which I got through six rounds um, a, a couple of years ago. But, you know, a lot of times we want the red carpet, right? We want like. And now the nominees, right? But, but you know, every dream starts with small steps. And I really encourage people, you want to try stand-up comedy? Go to an open mic. Take a class. You want to be an actor? Take a class. Put on your own show. Start reading plays with your friends. Improv like it does good, right? Yeah, you take an improv class. Go watch an improv show. You know, I think sometimes we get these big visions, which are awesome. And then there is such a huge gap between, well, this is where I am. Yeah. And this is my vision. How the heck? And then I have this ego that wants to keep me safe. that says, oh, it's too much trouble or you don't know how to do it or, you know, you know, that little voice. And so I just encourage people like, don't like give yourself permission. Now I'm not telling you to like quit your day job and just go live in a van down by the river. You know, you got to be responsible, I was but like, there's actually the opposite of what she's telling you. Right. 
but there's like a million ways you can be self-expressive. Do an artist way um, group put together. I mean, there's so many cool meetup groups. You want to meet some like-minded people, start your own meetup group. You want to produce your own show, start going to one woman shows or one man shows and, and learning. There's all kinds of ways to take cheap or, you know, really valuable classes online. You don't have to, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And, you know, it all starts with a baby step, you know, and I, I was horrible when I first started stand up comedy. I had been funny situationally for years and just sort of improving and musical theater. But to stand up with just me and the mic under pressure, it took a long time. But I was committed and I loved it. So, you know, give yourself permission to start the journey and give yourself permission to be bad at it. That's how you learn. You know, nobody is born going, whoa, you know, <laughs> and quoting Shakespeare. We all came out naked and crying and not speaking the language, right? And I, I think sometimes people think, oh, talent, talent, you know, talent on ourselves, yeah. Like so overrated. Do you want it? Do you want to learn how to do what you want to do? Are you passionate about it? Are you willing to feel like uncomfortable and vulnerable and awkward over and over and over? If you're willing to do that, you can learn a lot of things. You may not be Pavarotti, but you can learn, you can train yourself to sing if you really want to sing. If you really want to try comedy, I encourage you to do it. And, you know, if you're willing to be uncomfortable and fall down and get back up, that is like more than half of the game. And guys, Elaine has been so kind to provide a free gift, a free story connect tool that you can find at CaptivateTheCrowd.com slash gift. And I'll have the link in the show notes page for you to help you on your journey, to help you start for this uh, thing. And Elaine, I can't thank you enough again for coming on the show. I know we talked a little, a lot of it was, was heavy topic, but I think it was important, but you also gave some great advice that I think will set a lot of people on the right path. Mm, well, thank you so much for having me, Amy. And I, I love what you're doing and I, I wish you so much love and luck. Thank you. And guys, that was Elaine Williams, who is so fantastic. I'm so thankful she was able to come on the show and share her story. And I know we got a little heavy at times, but it's a conversation that needs to be had. And at the same time, she has a great journey to, to share. So you guys make sure you check out her free gift that she has given. It is at CaptivateTheCrowd.com slash gift, which you can also find on the show notes page over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com slash episode 97. That's episode 97. Until next time, guys, as we continue to count down and get closer and closer to episode 100, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.